People hurting, people broken, beating down and feeling hopeless. Wonder if it's gonna always be this way. Who will speak up for the well, good morning, Southview. How are we? All right. It's good to have you with us today. Oh, man. Uh, we had so many more in the 930 service. I think it's because they forgot to move their clocks. And so they thought they were coming to the 11. But glad that you guys remembered. Glad that you're here today. If you're new, if you're a guest, my name is Brad. I am uh, the pastor here at Southview. It's so wonderful to have you worshiping with us today. I want to read a scripture to us as we begin our time together. Psalm 27, verse 4. It says, And one thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Think about King David is the one who's writing this. And, and all that David has, all of the money, all of the wealth, all the prestige, everything, and he says, but there's one thing that I'm really asking God for, one thing that I want above everything else, and that is what? To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. The one thing David wanted was God. So I want to encourage you today, as we worship together, I want you to worship in an attitude of prayer, asking that God would be the greatest desire of your heart, that you'll pursue him as your one great desire and thing. One thing I ask for, one thing I seek after, one thing I pray that I would see God and know God and desire God with all that I have. I want to ask you to bow your heads for me as we begin to worship together and just set our hearts into a, an attitude of prayer and worship. God, we just thank you. We thank you, God, that you provide us with everything that we need for all of life and godliness. We thank you, God, that you are the greatest treasure, the most beautiful treasure in the universe. I pray, God, that we would see you as this and pursue you as this and desire you above all things. And if there are any things in our hearts that we're desiring and pursuing above you, I pray, God, that you would show us that, we would turn from that so that we can live lives that bring glory and honor to you. Empower us today, Jesus, as we worship you as our greatest treasure. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, everyone, stand together as we worship Christ, our great treasure.
Good morning, Southview family. We're so excited that you're here worshiping with us this morning. Here are the big three announcements for this morning. Our annual business meeting will be on Sunday, November 12th from 4 to 6 in the Family Life Center. It will be about voting for the budget, and that budget will be available two weeks prior at the front desk at the Welcome Center. We will be taking a trip to the Operation Christmas Child Distribution Center in Charlotte on November 28th. If you're interested in serving, that service would be from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. Text OCC to the church number. Are you interested in serving on the worship team? We have several opportunities to serve, including the tech team, band, or vocals. Please come to an information meeting on December 3rd if you're interested in joining this team. We encourage everybody to download the Southview Baptist Church app from iTunes or Google Play. This app will allow you to see announcements, sign up for events, find a journey group, view previous sermons, or access the notes for today's sermon. There are multiple ways to give here at Southview. You can give online on the app, or you can give at the giving boxes as you exit the sanctuary. If you're a guest visiting with us today, we're so excited that you're here. You can help us by texting the word CONNECT to the church number. This will help us to know who you are, um, how we can pray for you, and if there's any specific way that the church can minister to you. Thank you all for worshiping with us today. Let's continue to worship Jesus Christ through song. today a really special treat um, as we uh, 
gather together as a church family. Um, we want to take a little time here this morning and do a time of child dedication. Um, so some of you maybe grew up in denominations where uh, a lot of you were baptized as infants and went through that sort of process. And, um, and so we do things uh, differently here. Uh, we believe the Bible leads us in a different direction. Uh, but we do what's called child dedication, which is one for the child. We want to pray over that child for sure. Um, but really this is ultimately about mom and dad. Right, we we want to encourage the parents of these kids uh, to understand God's call on their life and uh, help encourage and empower them in raising up their children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And so, kind of how that works for us, we do it twice a year. Typically, we do it in the fall, and then we'll do it Mother's Day in the spring. We do it two times a year, and. Um, and so what we do is we do it during the 11 o'clock hour. During the 9.30 hour, we spend time with these parents just walking through scriptures, encouraging them, providing some teaching and some encouragement and some discipleship about how to live as a God-glorifying parent. And then we come in here at the 11 o'clock service and take a little time to pray over the family and encourage them. Uh, so today uh, we've got um, some families we want to introduce to you. Uh, I want to start with the woods uh, so come on up, guys. Uh, Jessica. And Jessica is going to have Natalie and Thomas with her. And also grandparents. Come on up, guys. Uh, grandparents are joining as well. Uh, and Jessica's husband, Jared, is actually deployed right now. Um, and he is watching. So on the count of three, everyone say, hi, Jared. Okay? One, two, three. Hi, Jared. All right. It's very good. And I also want to bring up the Williamson family. Uh, come on up, guys. I'm going to invite uh, Jack and Gracie to join us with their little ones, Naeli and Emily. Come on up, guys. You just come on, on this side. Come on over here. Even out the stage. Wonderful. Can you give these families a hand? Give them a big hand. Boy, what we love, what we love is to see uh, moms and dads take seriously God's command uh, to raise up their kids in the instruction, the training, the encouragement, the discipline of the Lord. To raise up their kids uh, praying that God by His grace would allow them to come to faith at a young age and that they would live their lives for the glory and honor of Jesus Christ. That is our desire. That's our hope. And we love seeing moms and dads do that. We believe our children's ministry and our youth ministry here are purely supplemental. Um, we believe we actually have um, hundreds of um, children and youth ministers. We call them parents. Right? That's your responsibility. That's your job. What we want to do as a church is to come along and help, to encourage, to, to, to shepherd, to fill in some gaps, do what we can to help you and God's call on your life to love and lead and raise up your kids in a way that brings glory and honor to God. So that's what this is. So very, very excited for this. So for you guys, for the Woods, for the Williamsons, um, I want to encourage you today. So as you come today to present your children for dedication before the Lord, 
if this is your desire to raise up your kids in a way that brings glory and honor to God, to bring them up in the nurture and encouragement and admonition of the Lord, uh, we're, I'm going to read some things, and I want you to respond by just saying, we do. All right? And so that is just your simple um, uh, statement of saying, by God's grace, for the best that we can, this is our desire. This is what we want. All right? So, and, and it's encouraging also for all of us here as we read this. This isn't just for the Williamsons, for the Woods. This is for all of us to be reminders to us of God's call on our life as parents and what we are led by the Lord to do. So, for you guys and for all of us, Do you recognize your child as a gift from God and give heartfelt thanks to God for this blessing? Amen. Do you dedicate your child to the Lord who created and gave him or her to you and surrendering all worldly claims upon their life in the hope that he or she may one day belong wholly to Jesus Christ? Do you desire this? Do you recognize God's dedication to you demonstrated in and through the Lord Jesus Christ? And in response, do you dedicate your lives to God to personally grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and be living examples of his grace to your children? Amen. Do you therefore dedicate yourselves in dependence upon God's strength and wisdom to raise your children in the discipline and instruction of the Lord? making it a priority to shepherd him or her in the word of God by your example and word. And then lastly, do you dedicate yourselves by the strength that God gives to regularly pray that by God's grace your child will come to know and trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and to know fullness of joy in him who gives eternal life. Amen. And for us as us as the congregation, again, we believe that parents have the primary responsibility. However, we play a significant role in this. And so for you as a congregation of Southview Baptist Church, I have a question for you. If you as a church agree to be this, will you simply respond by saying, we do? Do you, as members of Southview Baptist Church, Dedicate yourselves to support these parents in the teaching and training of their children, that each of them may be led in due time to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and confess him in baptism and church membership. Do you accept this responsibility, and will you indicate this by saying, we do? Amen. Amen. Well, as we spend time with these families, I want us to stop for just a moment and I want us to pray over them, okay? Um, so let's do this. Let's, 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 I'm, I'm going to change things up just a touch. Um, um, if we could um, uh, band, do me a favor. Come around us. Come over here, guys. Come around. I want you to lay your hands on these guys. Um, and we just want to pray for them. Uh, pray for these parents, pray for these kids, um, pray that God would be glorified in their lives. Um, we also have a uh, specific prayer uh, that we want to lift up. Uh, little Natalie here, uh, she's been diagnosed with cerebral palsy. 
Um, and so they're running, obviously, through lots of tests and questions and things. Um, but we want to take just a special time also just for a minute to pray for her specifically, um, for God's healing on her life and God's hand to be on her life. So as we lift up these families, can you just pray for them as we lift them up to the Lord? Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for these little ones. They are a gift from God. We thank you that your word says that, Psalm 127. All children are a gift and a blessing. All children have been given to us by God. So I thank you, Lord, for them. I ask you, Lord, for these little ones, God. I pray that you would empower them, Jesus, to come to faith in you as soon as possible. And, Lord, you would draw them to faith. And they would live their entire lives just bringing glory and honor to you, Jesus. Growing in greater and greater love and affection for you. I pray for these parents, God. Being a parent is hard work. I pray, God, for them that you would grant them wisdom far beyond themselves. Strength far beyond themselves. Energy far beyond themselves. To be able to continue to pursue you for their own lives then also point their kids to you. And I pray specifically also for little Natalie. God, we thank you for her. We ask you, Lord God, your hand to be on her life. We pray for healing for her body. We pray, God, that her life will bring much glory and honor to you. I pray, God, for her parents, for her grandparents, that are no doubt, um, God, calling out fervently in prayer. And, um, and God, just brokenhearted for little Natalie. But, Lord, I pray for them, God, that their hearts, their minds, their affections will be pointed to you and that you would allow them to be filled with all joy in all circumstances and all situations because they see you being glorified. Thank you again, Jesus, for these families. We love them with all of our hearts. We pray, God, your hand of blessing on them. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Hey, give these families a hand. You may be dismissed. Thank you guys so much. Well, as these families are stepping up, I want to ask all of you to stand with us as we keep worshiping Jesus Christ together. Stand, let's worship the Lord.
Jesus, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, just for your life. We thank you that you made a way. We thank you that you love us. We ask you, Lord God, as we just spend some time in your word right now, that God, you'll just speak so clearly to us for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, if you have a Bible, let's find the book of Philippians together. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians 1 will be in verse 9. We'll hit that in just a second. Before you do that, a couple of quick announcements for you. One, directly after this service, we're going to have a Q&A session for people interested in our children's ministry, what that looks like, how you can get plugged in, what that would mean for you. Uh, so that will be right after this. Again, l- like we did with our child dedication, we believe moms and dads are the primary um, point people for pouring in to uh, their kids uh, who Jesus is. But we believe the church plays a very important and pivotal role in helping walk the uh, parents' families through that. So if you're interested in being a part of our kids' ministry or just learning more about it, right after this is done, you're going to go out of, out of these doors and go that direction, okay? Go all the way to the end of the hall so you can't go anymore. And you're going to find the Q&A session uh, for um, our ch- kids' ministry and what that looks like and what that means, how you can be a part. So I want to encourage you to remember that. The second announcement is this. Um, whether you like it or not, you heathens, it is Christmas season. Okay, so you can just get over it, all right? You're skipping Thanksgiving. I plan on eating at Thanksgiving. Don't worry about that. But we want to go ahead and start preparing and planning and getting in your busy uh, holiday calendar. December 16th, we're having Cocoa Carols and Chili Cook-Off. Oh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. All right, so we're going to come together. Uh, we got a couple of neighborhoods we want to hit and do some Christmas caroling, that kind of thing. Uh, but we also want to come together and do a big chili cook-off. So here's what I know about Baptists. Two things, okay? Number one, you people can eat. Right? You, can, you can put down some food big time. Second is this. Everyone in this room is completely convinced you make the best chili. Right? You just, you do. So here's your chance. Prove it. All right? Prove it. Text CAROLS, C-A-R-O-L-S, CAROLS, to our number, 910-424-1298 to sign up. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a ton of fun. Come, hang out, eat your weight in 14 different kinds of chili. I make no promises to how that works for you later on that night. But come hang out. It's going to be fun. Uh, sign up. To one, let us know how many we're preparing for. And two, if you'd like to be a part of the cook-off, you want to sign up um, and uh, put, your, put your chili on the line. Let's do that, all right? So it's December 16th. Put it on your calendar. Get ready. It's going to be a blast. All right. Philippians chapter 1. So we're in a series that we're calling More. And the idea behind the series is there's about five or six passages in the New Testament that are called pastoral prayers. They're prayers that the Apostle Paul prayed over his churches. And so we're taking some time, a few weeks, and just kind of looking at each of these prayers. And we're trying from that to discern what is it we want to be praying that God does in our life, right? What's God wanting to do in us? So today, the question that we're going to answer is this. What does it mean for you 
to live an excellent life. Just think about that. How would you define an excellent life? And what you're going to see today from the scriptures, this may not be shocking to you. It's not going to have anything to do with how much money you have, how good your relationships are, how good your health is, what your social status might be. It's not going to have anything to do with any of that. It has nothing to do with your circumstances, your situations, because the guy writing the book of Philippians, telling everybody, be full of joy, and here's how you can have an excellent life. Where is he when he writes the book of Philippians? Anybody know? He's in jail, right? And not like those white-collar summer camps, okay? He's in a first-century Roman prison. Not the greatest of situations. But in the midst of that, he's still saying, you know what? We can have an excellent life in Christ. So what does an excellent life look like? How do we get it? What comes as a result of it? Those are some of the questions that we want to try to answer today. So let's jump in. Philippians chapter 1. We're going to just read verses 9 through 11, all right? Philippians 1, 9 through 11. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. I want you to look at verse 10. I've got it underlined here on the screen for a reason. This is kind of the central focus of the prayer. Right? Everything kind of builds around it. This is the hinge that everything kind of turns on. Before that's how we get it. After that, it's everything that comes as a result of it. But verse 10, that line there is really the point. What he's wanting is that they may approve what is excellent. That they may live a life of excellence. So let's unpack that just for a second. Approve what is excellent. So the word approve means to judge. Right? to judge what's going on, to judge what's happening. Chili cook-off. We're going to have judges, right? So those judges are going to come in. They're going to sit down, and they're going to eat 25 different kinds of chili. <laughs> so what? free Tums for you as well if you're a judge. But what are they going to do? They're going to sit down, and they're going to go through all this. Some are going to be bad. Some you're going to taste and be like, that is just soup with some meat thrown in it. Get that out of here, right? That is not chili. Some are going to be good. Some are like, I could totally eat that. Like, that's good. But you're not looking for good, are you? You're looking for the one that is excellent. And this is what is important when it's talking about here. He's doing all this so that you may approve what is excellent. Again, the word approve means to judge, to look at various options, to critique and criticize, to pick it apart and figure out what's the best, what's the excellent path. So here's the idea. You ready? There are many good paths you can take. There are many things you can do in your life that would be good, that would be acceptable, that would be passable, that would be socially fine in your Christian circles. Right? There are good things. But what the Apostle Paul is trying to dive into here, we're trying to really dig at, and this is what I want you to get, man. This is step one. If we just do nothing but land here for today, that'll be worth it. Are you good? With good? Or do you want excellent? Do you want excellent? Do you want a life that is excellent? 
You want a marriage that is excellent. A family that is excellent. Now again, what does that mean? Does that mean that all things are going perfect? No. In fact, I would say the exact opposite. The real excellence life is the life that can be full of joy when things aren't going well. Right? That's the excellence that we're looking for. So that you may approve, so that you may judge and figure out what is the excellent path. So how do we do that? How do we live a life of excellence? Look back up at verse 9. Let's read that. Okay, This is kind of going to give us the running start as to how we get that excellent life. Verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent. Right? So, so that, right, here's what we're going to have as a result. But what's going to cause that, what's going to create the so that you can approve what is excellent, is what we see in verse 9. What? That your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So let me ask you a question. Bible, just personally as it hits your heart. If we're trying to figure out how to have an excellent life, does it feel weird that the way that it says to get an excellent life is to love? Make your love abound more and more? Does it feel awkward? A lot of times when we think about an excellent life, we think about things that we need to do for an excellent life. Right? I'm going to start doing this, and I'm going to stop doing that, and I'm going to have that habit, and I'm going to stop that habit. I'm going to do these things so that my life can be excellent. But the Bible's going to say, pump the brakes. The key to an excellent life, track with this. The key to an excellent life is not what you do. The key to an excellent life is who do you love. That's going to be the path that's going to lead you to an excellent life. Who do you love? Matthew 22, 36 through 38. Jesus is asked, what's the greatest commandment? What does he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest of all the commandments. And then in verse 39, he's going to say what? The second is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus is laying this out and he says, look, the first and greatest commandment, the hooks on which everything else is hung is this. Love God with everything that you have. How you have an excellent life is directly related to how you love God. So can I ask a quick question? Just personal. I'm not going to make you raise your hand or anything like that. But just a quick question. How do you love God? I mean, what, what's your love relationship like with God? Where would you, where would you put that? For, for, out of the fear of making this a little too fleshly, let me just ask what would you rank that? One to ten. Where are you in a love relationship with God? The key to you having an, ex- an excellent life, an excellent life, a life that far exceeds anything you could think or imagine or hope or dream is directly linked to how much you love God. And it says here that he's praying that we would abound more and more, that we would keep growing and growing and growing and growing in our love for God, that you never become static in that, that you never think you've arrived, that you never think you love God enough, but that you're growing more and more and more in your love for God. I think about this sort of 
as an analogy with uh, marriage. So my wife and I, we will celebrate 21 years of marriage this month, November 16th. Um, and uh, when we first met, uh, so I've, I've shared this story. I, uh, I walked into an office. She was working behind the desk. I saw her and went, so she's cute. Um, I need to talk to her. All right, so I had this form they had to fill out that she was, she was there in that office doing. So I, on purpose, wrote really sloppy so that I could hand it to her. And she'd be like, I can't read this. Like, oh, I'm so sorry. Let me read that to you. What's your name again? Right? So because, listen, so we have equipped classes. Um, one of our, uh, like, big rocks of the Christian faith, one of those needs to be, dudes, how do you actually find a wife? Like, we need to get there. Like, you got to be able to do that. So I struck up a conversation. We talk. It was the 90s, so I got her instant message, right? And, and I remember I walked out, and uh, no lie, I jumped up and I clicked my heels. I was so excited. And I, I was driving home down to my parents down in South Carolina, and um, I drove into my parents' driveway. I walked in. My mom was in the kitchen. I remember it vividly. She said, so what would you do today? I said, I just met the girl I'm going to marry. And in classic, no lie, in classic mom fashion, I say the words, I just met the girl I'm going to marry. The very next sentence out of her mouth was, I can't believe you were wearing those jeans. <laughs> right? Classic mom. So, Marie and I, we get married. And on November 16th, 2002, we're standing there in front of our friends and family, pledging our love for one another, entering into covenant marriage. And at that moment, on that day, with all that I had in me, I loved Marie. With everything that I could muster, I loved her. However, I looked a couple of decades later now and look back and think, that kid had no idea what he was talking about. Right? I have, my love for her has abounded more and more and more as we've gone through life. Does that make sense? Because track with this, I know her now, right? We've had two decades of ups and downs and goods and bads, two decades of times where we felt really, really, really in love and times where we did not feel really, really, really in love. And so for two decades walking through that, as a result of that, I've now abounded more and more and more and more and more and my love for Marie. What about for you? Are you actively seeking? Like I read earlier, Psalm 27, 4, is the prayer of your heart that you would seek after God above all things and that you would grow more and more and more in love with him. Look again at verse 9. And it's my prayer that your love may abound more and more. But how though? With knowledge and all discernment. Love isn't this wishy-washy you know, well, if you love someone, you let them do whatever they want to do. Well, that's stupid. No, right? Because I love my kids, I tell them things they're not allowed to do. If I hated them, I'd let them do whatever they want. Letting someone do whatever they want because they feel like it's the right thing to do, that's much closer to hatred than love. Love has parameters. Love has action. Love does things. And it says here that He's asking, praying that our love will abound more and more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Knowledge means, quite honestly, to know things. Discernment means 
applying that knowledge. So he's praying that we would grow in love and that we would grow in our knowledge of God and that we would grow in wisdom and discernment how to apply and live that out. Does that make sense? And as we do that, we're going to be able then to approve and judge what the excellent path is. So how do you grow in love with God? Well, you time with him, right? Time in his word, time in prayer, time with God's people. Finding someone that may be a couple of steps down the road spiritually than you are, buying them a cup of coffee, and asking them, so how'd you get there? Like, how did you grow in love for God? Right? What are you doing? You're seeking to grow and abound more and more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you can then approve and walk in the ways that are excellent. As you grow in your love for God, you're going to grow in your love for other people. And as a result of that, you're going to be much more wise and in tune with the Spirit's leading as to what the right, I should do this, I should not do that, I should walk this road, I should not walk that road, I should have this conversation, I should not have that conversation. You have wisdom now in how to choose the excellent thing. This empowers you by God's grace to live in a way that brings glory and honor to God. Choosing, approving the excellent path. Do you want the excellent path? Do you want an excellent life? Excellent life, again, is not built on, on your money or your status or your relationships. It's based on your love for God. As you grow in love for God, time in His Word, filled with knowledge and wisdom and discernment as to how to live that out and walk that out, you're now able to pick the excellent path. Not just a good one, not just a serviceable one, but one that is excellent. And then look what happens next. What comes from this excellent life? This is what comes from this life of excellence. So we'll pick it up in verse 10. But again, he's praying that their love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent. Verse 10. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So let's, let's chat about that just for a second. So as you seek to grow more and more and more and more and more in love for God. As you're growing more in that, you're able to pick the excellent path to go down, the excellent life. And as a result of that excellent life, it says here that you're going to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. As Jesus returns, you're going to grow more and more and more in purity and blamelessness. So what does that mean? Purity is internal righteousness. Blamelessness is external living out righteousness. Purity is you're growing more and more and more in your heart of love for God and hatred of sin and desire to pursue God and desire to run away from this world. You're growing in purity in your heart. And as a result of growing in purity in your heart, you're more and more and more blameless in the way that you live. Um, another word for blameless would also mean non-offensive. And it actually is used in ancient Greek for roads with holes and bumps in it. Right? You ever been in a situation where you're driving down the road and you hit a bump and, and it just jars you and throws you and, 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 it, and it throws the alignment out of your vehicle? And that's the way it's describing your life. So you live in such a way when you're not choosing the excellent path, you're laying a foundation for a road that's bumpy and has a lot of holes in it. So that does a couple of things. It jars you, 
It jars other people that are riding along with you. It causes problems. But it says here, as a blameless life, as a smooth road. So that now a couple of things. Number one, again, this idea of blameless and not offensive. As you, as you choose the excellent life, now, one, you're not making decisions that offend God. You're not sinning. You're sinning less. And when you do sin, you're quick to see it and repent and turn from it. Your road is now smooth and blameless because you are seeking to walk in an excellent life because you're growing in love for God. It also means you offend others less. You sin against other people less. Because you're abounding more and more and more in your love for God and your love for others. You have greater and greater greater knowledge and discernment and wisdom as to how to live that out. So as a result of that, you say less dumb things. You do less dumb things. You sin against people in lesser ways. Also what this could mean is this. As you've smoothed out your life and you're growing in love for God and love for others and wisdom and discernment and how to live that out and walk that out and pick the excellent path, you're less offended by other people as well. So when they sin against you, they don't have to throw you off. Why? Because you're full of love. You choose the excellent path, which is just to forgive and move forward. So that now when Bob comes to Joe... And says, Joe, look, um, man, you, you really sinned against me in this way. And uh, I want you to know that, that it bothered me deeply. And, and um, I just felt like I had to tell you that. Now, because Joe has been seeking to grow more and more and more in love for God and love for others, and he's seeking now to, to fill his heart and his mind with wise and discerning ways from the Word of God so that now you pick the excellent path. Whenever Bob comes to Joe and says that, Joe doesn't have to go, huh, well, I'm really glad that you invited me to lunch because I actually have a few things I'd like to talk to you about also. In fact, I made a PowerPoint presentation. Let's start with number one. You don't have to do that. Why? Because Joe is filled up with love for God, and so now he doesn't have to do any of that. His response just gets to be, Bob, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. I apologize. That wasn't my intention. I'm sorry. Or for Joe, as Joe is growing more and more and more in love with knowledge and all discernment, maybe he doesn't even have to go have that conversation because love covers a multitude of sins, so Joe can just move on with life. Right, You see how this affects and changes everything? It smooths out the road of life so that now you're growing and abounding in love for God and love for others. You're seeking to be driven by that love in a way that's wise and knowledgeable and discerning. As a result of that, now you're pure in heart and you're more and more and more blameless with your hands. So now you're living a life that brings glory and honor to God. In fact, that's the way it describes it in verse 11. Filled with the fruit of righteousness. That comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Filled up with the fruit of righteousness. Again, I love to think about it like this. When you read verses of scripture and it says, here's what's available for you in Christ. I love just to stop for a second and think, what would it look like for my life if that was actually true? What would it look like for your life if you were actually filled up, overflowing with the fruit of righteousness of Jesus Christ? 
Galatians 5 describes that fruit as love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What if you were literally the basket of your heart was overflowing with that kind of fruit? You think that would change the way you live? Think it would change the way you talk and interact with people? Change the way you respond to stuff? Man, I think so. Would it change your marriage? Would it change your kids? 100%. What I want you to see, what's laid out for us here in, in, in Philippians 1, 9-11 is this. There is an excellent life available for you. Jesus Christ came and he gave his life for you. In order that by faith he might give his life to you. So that through faith in him he can live his life out through you. So that God can be glorified. So that you can be empowered to live an excellent life. Abounding more and more and more with love and knowledge and all discernment. So that you can approve what is excellent and choose the excellent path and walk in excellent ways. So that you can be filled up with the fruit of righteousness that brings glory and honor to God through Jesus Christ. This is the life available to us in Jesus. How different would your life be? How different would my life be? How different would our families be? How different would our churches be? If we were people of God who said we are seeking to pursue excellent lives. Excellent lives. We respond in excellent ways. We engage with one another in excellent ways. We seek to live lives, bring glory and honor in excellent ways. We want to raise our kids to live lives not that are good and acceptable and people in and, and ways that make our friends look at us and go, wow, you guys did a great job. We don't want that. We want our kids to live lives that are excellent for the glory and honor of God. And when that is your goal, how that looks on a practical earthly level is going to be different. But the goal for each of us gets to be the same. Excellence. Pursuing the glory of God. This is available for us, brothers and sisters. This is yours. So for us here today, let me ask. I want to go back and I just want to read Philippians 1, 9-11 over us one more time. So if you have a Bible, look at it. It's up on the screen if you don't have one. But I want to read it one more time. And I want to read this as a prayer over us. In fact, let's do this instead. Bow your heads. All right, let's, see, let's go into a moment of prayer. I'm going to read it over us. And I want to read it, again, not just as, as Scripture, but, but truly as a prayer. And let these words sink into your hearts, okay? Just think about this. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. So that you may approve what is excellent. And so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Every Christian in this room, just with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I want you to honestly sit before God right now and ask this question. To what extent do I pray for excellent things? Things judged excellent and 
God's eyes. Both for myself and for those around me. Do I pray that my love would abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that I can distinguish between what is passable, what is acceptable, and what is excellent, what is best. Do you pray this for your church? Do you pray this for your family? The Apostle Paul is praying this over his church. And we want to pray it over us as well. Because this kind of excellent life can only be attained through prayer. So we want to seek him that he would do this. So take just a moment, pray over your life, those that you may love that are closest to you, over your church, that we will be a people seeking to abound more and more with, in love, with knowledge and all discernment so that we can approve what is excellent and be filled up with the fruit of righteousness that comes from Jesus. Take just a second. here today and may not know Christ, you may not be a Christian, I want to encourage you today, listen to me Jesus Christ came and he died and he rose again to set you free from your sin to fill you with his life and his love and his spirit and to make it possible for you to abound more and more with love and love with wisdom and all discernment so that you can choose an excellent life that is available for you in Christ. Today, right now at this moment, I want to encourage you right where you are. Just pray. If this is your desire, if this is your heart, you see your sin and you see that Jesus Christ came and died for your sins and you want to give your life to him right now today. Say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know, Jesus, that you came, you died, and rose again so that I could be set free from my sin, made new. Give my life to you today, Jesus. Forgive me. Empower me, Jesus, to grow in love for you so that I can live an excellent life. Lord God, I pray that you would do this in us, your people. We need you for this. We pray this in your name, Jesus. As we end our time together, we're going to end singing a song that's a prayer. Praying over us that we would see God for who he is. The blessings that are on us through faith in Jesus and be changed by him. And really seek after him for that changed life. I'm going to ask you to stand as we worship together. Praying over us the Lord's blessing. Let's sing.
shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God, this is our heart's cry, our prayer that we would see and understand the blessings that are on us through faith in Jesus. And we'll be changed by you, Lord. Thank you, God. We love you. May you empower every one of us by your spirit to grow more and more in love with knowledge and all discernment so that we can approve what is excellent. Now, as a result of that, be filled up with all the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus. Do this in us, God. We pray this in your name. Amen. God bless you guys. We love you. Have a great week.